We'll probably call this a segue. It can be considered part of my sermon. It'll get my sermon started anyway. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned, uh, you know, it's Christmas time. It doesn't seem like it outside. I think it's going to be 50 again today. Uh, but it's Christmas time, in case you're wondering. And we're preparing for that. My wife keeps saying it doesn't seem like Christmas. And you know, you want a reminder that it's Christmas time because she has not made poppy seed loaf yet until this morning. It was the very first time she finally made some. So if you want a poppy seed loaf, just remind her it's Christmas time. But anyway, uh, and so we, we were looking at a portion of Scripture, and I talked about how uh, Christmas time is this interesting time of gift giving, you know, where sometimes we get so excited about a gift, we can't wait to tell someone what it is. Sometimes we're so apprehensive or we have anxiety. My wife has anxiety about whether I'll like the gift that she gave, if it's the right gift or wrong gift. So I mentioned that she wanted to tell me about her gift, and so I probably should give a little bit of the rest of the story Without going into too many details, um, last Wednesday my wife and I were able to go back to, or we went to Rapid City to pick up those tables for the Sunday school room, and she informed me that she had a present for me at Menards. Yes, I get my present. Um, So anyway, so and it's coming from Menards, that sounds good. So we went to Sam's, we had our fun time at Sam's, I'll tell you the whole story sometime if you want to hear the whole story. Had a fun time at Sam's, we were kind of stressed and anxious at that point, so we go to Menards to pick up the gift, and the first thing we hear is that they don't have it, then we hear they gave it to someone else, and then they tell us to go pick it up, so we go out back and we try and find someone to load in our truck. It's a gun safe that's good for me, Uh, I'm excited about this, it's going to be a good gift, and so we go to the back, they tell us to go to this place, there's no one there, so we see someone that works there and she's loading someone else up, she loads them up, she goes inside, shuts the door, pastor is real patient. If anyone can recall, it was almost exactly nine years ago that Sears happened. <laughs> you don't know that story, ask Walt. So like, it's like a replay in my mind, like Sears all over again. So I go inside, and this guy, I say, hey, I'm supposed to get a gun safe. He, he's going to load it in the truck. So, so he brings a gun safe. It's laying sideways on a pallet out to my truck. Pam notices a dent, but at that point, I just want to get home. I'm tired. We've gone through Sam's. We've gone through kids. I just want to get home, whatever. Loaded in the truck, okay? Get home. It was on a Wednesday night because the kids got out of school, so we're early. We need to get back. Avery's got testing the next day. You know, they're all that stress. Get home. Get the safe out of the truck in the garage. And notice there's scratches on the side. There's not just a dent, but scratches on the side. So that's not good. And then I go to open it. We just drove 240 miles for a locked gun safe. Like there's no combination for my gun safe. 240 miles for a gift that I cannot use. The frustration. I called Menards very politely. Talk to the department manager. She says, this is way more complicated than I can deal with in the next seven minutes. I'll call you back tomorrow. The, the resolution of the story hopefully comes tomorrow when they bring me a new safe and take the old one away. But, but all that said, we're looking at a promise in Scripture. Where we've been at a church is we've been looking at, at a promise that I talked about God, I believe, was so excited about the gift that he was giving, he began to tell us about what his gift would do. 
The parallel in my mind to the gift that I received and the gift that God wants to give is, is that that safe is intended to be opened and locked. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not intended just to be a box in my garage. There's a purpose that God has in the gift that he's given, yet so many times we don't really discover the fullness of the purpose. So I've got a giant paperweight. But are we doing the same thing with the gift that God gave? Are we not fully discovering the purpose of His gift? Are we not fully utilizing what God designed? Someone who made that safe designed it to be opened for me to put my guns and my ammo in there so my kids couldn't touch it. God, when he gave the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, there was a beautiful design in his gift. He was so excited, 700 years before he gave the gift, he started telling us about the gift. Why? So when he gave it, we would know what it was for. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. This is where we've been. For to us a, a, a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. We talked about Wonderful Counselor. God has given the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a Wonderful Counselor in your life. The gift that he's given, the gift that we're reminded about this Christmas, the gift that he's promised is that he's got Wonderful Counsel that is yours. He desires, as you receive the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, for it to be utilized, this gift to be utilized for wonderful counsel in your life. So use it. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of His government, uh, of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. He will be called. This gift that God has given, this gift that we talk about, the the gift that comes through His Son, Jesus Christ. I want us to fully understand all that God has given. All that He's provided. All that is ours this Christmas. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for the promise of God. I thank you that we can understand fully the gift that you've given. I pray for our hearts, God, in this room. I pray for our minds in this room. I pray that we would be yielded to you. I thank you for the presence of God that inhabits the praises of his people. That we know, God, that you are here. And so we pray, God, as we look at the word, as we look at your word, As we look at your gift, you help us to comprehend and embrace the gift that you've given. Utilize it to the fullest. God, I pray for myself as I preach this morning. God, I pray your word would flow through me freely. Then my words would be yours. I submit myself, my thoughts, my notes to you. Asking God for your very will to be accomplished in this place, this day, in Jesus' name. Amen.
So we talked a couple weeks ago about how our gift would be called Wonderful Counselor. This week I want to look at the next idea. He says our gift will be called Mighty God. Our gift will be called Mighty God. Those are words I think we say so often we don't stop and think about what they mean. Your gift will be called Mighty God. Now, now realize the gift is who? Jesus, right? Jesus is called Mighty God. Now, I want to start with the second half because I think we can do it pretty quick. Okay, The context of this, he will be called Mighty God. And, and you might say we don't need the apologetics or the reasoning behind this, but it's important for us to understand Jesus is God. You say, why do we have to have this conversation? Because there's many who go around and they they believe in Jesus as a prophet, but they don't believe that he is fully God. We believe that Jesus is this dichotomy. He's fully man, but he's fully God. And so we need to understand that God gave himself, right? We just sang a chorus over and and over that said, and it says what Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1 we learn all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through a prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Do we think about that? I know Walt paused in worship this morning. I think it was a divine pause in the sense of that, that do we really embrace the reality that God is with us? That God is within us. Like, doesn't that do something to your, your flesh even? Your doubt, your fear, your anxiety, all that stuff. The reality is is that God has given His Son. His Son's name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. God has given us Himself with us. And we live with a locked safe. He will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Just some verses, if you want to write them down, if you ever get into this debate about whether Jesus is God, the deity of Jesus Christ. John chapter 10. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are... We're one, okay? Uh, John chapter 1. And I love these verses. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the lightness of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then it says, this is in verse 14, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. Who is Him in this verse? Him is the Word, right? 
The word was made flesh. Where was the word in the beginning? It was God. It was with God, right? The word was with God. The word was God. And the word became flesh. So if we look at this in understanding, again, I know we get this. This is just for you if you get in this conversation with someone. If you, if you have to wrestle this through, what Scripture is declaring here is the Word was with God. The Word was God. Through Him, through the Word, all things were made. How did God create? By His Word. He spoke in creation, right? Jesus was the very essence or the means through which God created. He was the expression of God, the, the creative expression of God. Through the Word, all things was made. And then Scripture says that Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That's the Emmanuel, that's God that is with us. In another place, if that doesn't work. Very truly, Jesus answered, this is when the Jews were talking to Him and they were talking about He didn't have the authority or He wasn't good enough to do what He was doing. And, and so he said he was greater than Abraham, and they really didn't like that. And so what happens? Very truly, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Now, what does I am mean? You think of the Old Testament. Remember the story of Moses in the Old Testament? Moses was at a bush, right? And this bush was burning, but it wasn't burning. And that bush started talking, I mean, like a crazy moment in time. And it's telling him to do something that he doesn't think he can do. To go lead people he doesn't think are going to lead, listen to him. And so, so through this bush, God calls Moses. And then Moses says to this bush, I mean, he's talking to a bush. Who am I supposed to say sent me? Like the people aren't going to listen. The bush responds, the voice, the one in the bush responds, how? Tell them I am who I am sent you. I am in Scripture was a very uh, profound declaration of who God is. I mean, you think about that. Those two words, I am. I mean, it encompasses all that is. It's not just I am this or I am that, but it encompasses, it, it, it encompasses or in, encompasses all that kind of is. And so when, when people are trying to find out the identity of God, he says, I am. I mean, it's words that they wouldn't even utter. Because it was so profound for them. They couldn't even utter those words in, in the Jewish days. But that was the identity of who God was. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is talking to Jews who would have that understanding of I am. And he makes a bold declaration to them. I mean, this is absolutely declaring the deity of Jesus Christ. This is in red in your Bible if you want to look at it. This is what Jesus said. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham had died a long time ago. And Jesus is saying, before he was, I am. To them, that was a very profound moment of his declaration of deity. We have what Jesus says over and over in Scripture. We go through what are the I am statements of Christ. Who is he? I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and life. The one who believes in me will never or will live even though they die. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. God gave us a gift. He's given a gift. His son, Jesus Christ, who is? He's God. A 
we really receiving Emmanuel? Are we really receiving that, that, that I have the divine nature in me? That's hard. That makes my mind go in circles because I know that I have a lot of flesh in me. But the gift, the promise, the gift that God has been talking about for for 700 years was He didn't just send His Son, which was a great prophet, to die for our sin, but He sent the very nature of Himself. God with us to inhabit us. Yet we live defeated. We live overwhelmed. We live troubled. I'm not minimizing your troubles. I'm not minimizing your trials. But why do we live like that? Are we not fully embracing the gift which has been given? How did he describe that gift? He's a mighty God. Like for me, I mean, I'm a pastor, so that goes hand in hand. God is mighty, right? I mean, <laughs> why do you got to add that word to that? It's mighty. I read something this week that, that when they were interpreting this, the word with, for mighty, that, that adjective, and the word el, which is the word a lot of times el that they use in Hebrew. Hebrew, actually, the el word means mighty God. So what, what God was saying and what he was declaring in this moment was he was a mighty, mighty God. Like, like just emphasizing the mighty part of God, have we lost sight of how truly powerful God is? Who was he speaking to? Who was Isaiah speaking to? Israel, right? We talked about this two weeks ago. What was happening in Israel? You recall? The context of this. In the days of Isaiah, the world looked dark, bleak, and hopeless. The people had turned their back on God. And God had turned their back on them. He was bringing Assyria. Assyria was attacking them. As Isaiah is speaking to them, they are a people without hope. They're a weak people, right? They're weak in their self. They're weak in their circumstance. They're weak in the situation that they're facing. So in that moment, what do they need to hear? Have you ever been in a weak moment? Where you're looking for strength? In a weak moment where you're looking for an answer? In a weak moment where you're looking for someone who can take this problem, lift it up, this burden, and lift it off of your shoulders? God's saying to those people that there's one who is coming, the gift that he's given, and it will be mighty. How, did, how were warriors described? Think about that. The warriors in the Old Testament, they were, they were mighty warriors. This was an idea of of a forceful God. One that would be victorious. One that would see you in the devastation, in the midst of, of where you're at, and be able to bring victory where you are. He was a mighty God. I believe God is speaking that today. The gift... He's given you is mighty. How mighty is God? 
mighty, mighty. He's like mighty squared. Mighty to the mighty power. But man, it's easy to forget. The Israelites, they were darkened. They were overwhelmed by their circumstance. They had lost sight of the, the reality of the God who was able. I thought about the story of Gideon. Remember his story. In another place in Scripture, where's Israel? Not good. What's happening? People are attacking them. How are they responding? Scripture says, and I believe it's Judges chapter 6, I think verses 2 and 3 are up here, that they were, they were living uh, in, in mountain clefts. They were, they were so afraid, they couldn't live in their house anymore. They were so afraid that they were living in, in the caves to, 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 to try to protect themselves. Whenever they planted crops, what would happen? The Midianites would come in and they would destroy their crops. I mean, they were a people that were oppressed. They were a people that were, were overwhelmed by an enemy. So what did God do? He picked the strongest man in town, right? I mean, Gideon was a weightlifter. No. What does Gideon say about himself? I'm from the weakest of clans. And you want me to do what? God wants to show how mighty he truly is. So he says, I'm picking you, Gideon. You might say you're from the weakest of the clans, but I'm going to do something incredible in you. And in that chapter, uh, this is in Judges 6 and 7, if you want to look at it later, what happens? Gideon wrestles with God, show me, prove me, the fleece thing. Then he's willing to go, and what does God do? He takes this whole mighty thing further. This powerful enemy that's attacking them. If I'm going to go fight the enemy, I want as many people around me as possible, as many mighty men as I can surround myself. Gideon and his mighty men, that's what I want. What does God do? He continues to whittle away the forces. I think it starts at 12,000 and he ends at like 300. What's going on? But God is showing himself mighty. God is proving himself mighty. That it doesn't matter the odds. It doesn't matter the enemy. It doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter how qualified or unqualified. It doesn't matter your weakness or your strength. But God is mighty. And he will be called mighty God. I'm telling you that the gift God has given, the gift that he desires for you, the gift that he longs for us to live in, the safe that he desires to be opened is that he is a mighty God. What does the enemy matter when I've got the Almighty within me? What does the mountain mean when the Almighty is the one who will carry me through or will move that mountain? Yet, we live with the gift 
locked in the garage. We live with the gift locked to accomplish nothing. What good does a lock safe do when my son wants to get a hold of my 30-06? What good is a lock safe then? It's not doing what it was designed to do. I wonder how many times we're the ones limiting the design, the excellence, the, the excitedness that God shared to a, a, a people who were broken, to a people who were oppressed. I'm sending one who is mighty, yet we still live defeated. And he will be called Mighty God. Romans chapter 8. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm convinced neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the futures, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. How mighty is God? Is there anything that can separate you from His love? There's nothing, right? Neither height nor death. He went to the extreme to try and explain this. What are we afraid of? We're afraid of death. We're afraid of demons. These are things that don't make sense. We're afraid of our future, right? None of that can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. But we allow it. We allow ourselves to be separated. Why? Because we're not utilizing the gift that God gave. We allow ourselves to be separated from His love. We allow ourselves to live overwhelmed by the fear of death and the fear of demons and the fear of the future and the fear of what's coming. It's not because of what He gave. It's because of what I've received. It's because I haven't opened. I haven't got the combination for crying out loud. Ah, sovereign Lord, You have made the heavens and the earth by Your great power an outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Do you believe that? I mean, if we say that together, do you truly believe that nothing is too hard? That was Jeremiah writing again. We're talking about another broken people, a prophet who's speaking to a people who aren't listening. He's talking about what God wants to do. God's saying, I'm going to do this and doesn't look like it's possible. And, and the prophet is speaking to God. Nothing is too hard for you. When was the last time you told God, God, you are a mighty God and nothing is too hard for you? This circumstance, this problem, this situation, these things that I'm facing, the uncertainty of my future, all these things, nothing is too hard for you. Like, say that. Like, that's cool. Like, tell God nothing's too hard for you. Amen? Like sometimes we've got to remind ourselves. Sometimes we've got to remind ourselves nothing is too hard for him. Isaiah 59, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Isaiah 49.10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. His arm is not too short for the situation in your life. 
That circumstance, that trial, it's not too hard. His ears are not shut to your prayers. God is listening. He is able. Yet we convince ourselves otherwise. We decide this is too hard. I'm too far away from God. I don't know if you've ever heard it as a pastor. I hear my sin's too bad. Like, God can't love me where I've placed myself. Let me explain the gift. My God is mighty. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that while we were still sinners, while we were still making mistakes, that we would know His love for us. Let me explain that that's not the case. You're not too far from His love. His love is everywhere. My God is mighty. My God is is amazing because He's able. There's nothing. Let me say that again. There's nothing. One more time. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, the Scriptures say that all things are possible to those who believe. Let me tell you, he says that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Jesus brought victory. He lived the almighty God. We see it witnessed in his life. What did he face that he could not overcome? He healed. He delivered. He rose the dead. He turned water to wine. He, he, he had Peter walk on water. He walked on water himself. Jesus lived. He is the fulfillment of the word. He will be a mighty God. He accomplished the impossible. What had man been trying to accomplish up until Jesus came? Forgiveness of sin. They've been, they've been shedding a blood sacrifice every year, but he was a sacrifice once and for all for the forgiveness of sin. Through him, the forgiveness of your sin comes. Talk about the mighty God. He broke the curse of sin and death. What's more mighty than that? That we live with our safe lock. We live not utilizing. You guys can come forward. Greg, we're not doing testimonies. Go ahead and do Emmanuel again, please. We live apart from the promise that God has given us. I didn't talk to Walt today, but I'm glad we didn't do prayer this morning yet. Because the reminder that God is mighty is important for us to embrace. I don't know what's been going on in your life. I don't know what things you faced. 
Maybe you've been wrestling with the very power of sin in your life. Maybe you've been fearful of death and the reality of death. The promise is that if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, we, we believe that God raised Him from the dead. And we'll be saved. We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of sin. We don't have to be afraid of any of this because God, He's able. This morning is... As we conclude this service, I want the, the promise of what God's been doing in this service to reign in your heart. Walt, Walt felt led during worship to, to, to sing Emmanuel, this reality of God with us. Pastor felt inclined to start his, his sermon with the, with the reality that, that God is, is with us. He's Emmanuel. The promise that, that I hope you can embrace through all this. It's not just Emmanuel, but mighty Emmanuel is with you. The God who is able is with you. The God who desires you to be free. The God who desires the darkness in your life to be made light. The God who desires for those chains to be broken. The God who desires that you would not be separated from his love. The God who desires to take those situations and and make them his very own is with you. I don't know what the circumstance. I don't know how dark it seems. I don't know what caves you may be living into or how many times the enemy has threatened your crops. I don't know what you're facing each and every day. But what I do know is what God has promised. What I do know is what He desires you to have. And that's His Son, Jesus Christ, who will be called Wonderful Counselor, who will be called Mighty God. You know, we have an opportunity to fulfill the prophecy this morning. We have an opportunity to fulfill the prophecy that was given now 2,700 years ago. We can call Him Mighty God. You can call Him Mighty God. Are we not then fulfilling the word of the prophet that 2,700 years later in a church in Crawford, Nebraska, a prophecy that was given to the prophet Isaiah is being fulfilled because we're calling him Mighty God. Father, I come to you this morning. I thank you for the very good gift, the incredible gift, the wonderful gift that you've given in your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that this day I can call him Mighty God. That this day, God, my declaration can be the same as Jeremiah when I say that there is nothing too hard for you. I can echo the words of Isaiah this day when I say that your arm is not too short for the situation or circumstance that I'm facing. You are a mighty God. You are the mighty God. Father, I pray for each in this room. Spirit of God, I pray you stir in our hearts. You bring to our minds the understanding of those situations, those areas where we're not utilizing this gift. If we're living in fear, 
in doubt. If we're living paralyzed by circumstance or situations, God, I pray that we would call out, He is mighty God in me. In me. In my life. In my circumstance. In my situations. He is the mighty God. The God who is able. God, that as we cry out, as we call out who you are, we see the fulfillment of what you've designed in our lives. In Jesus' name. This morning, I'll open the altars. An opportunity to pray with you about the promise that God is mighty. If there's a circumstance or a situation and you say, I feel trapped, I feel alone, I want to agree with you. If you want to come forward, I'll pray with you. If you say, Pastor, I just want to pray with someone in the church that I trust, I encourage you to find them in the church. Sit down with them and agree upon the very word of God. His word is true. This is God's promise, not Pastor's promise. This is His design, not something Pastor concocted. We can stand upon His very Word because His Word is true. We can stand upon His promise and watch the revelation of the mighty God. As Walt leads us in in His course, I encourage you to call out, whether it's coming forward or whether it's where you're at, the mighty God. Reminding yourself, reminding those around you, maybe reminding the enemy that there is nothing that is too hard for your God. Amen. Your pain's gone. Rosemary came to church this morning and she said she had to wear her house slippers. Now, Rosemary's a dignified woman. So for her to wear her house slippers to church, you know, it had to hurt. And we prayed for her this morning and she said her pain is gone in her foot. Amen. God is mighty. Amen. God is mighty. Amen. Nothing is too hard for our God. Amen. Nothing is too hard for our God. Amen? Laura said she couldn't raise her hand this morning because there was so much pain in her shoulder. God is good. Amen? God is is mighty. That's a gift that He's given. That's a gift that I want to live in. I want to exercise. I want to experience. Amen? Tell God nothing's too hard. Nothing is too hard. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you live with the mighty God within you. May you live experiencing the fullness of the mighty God every day in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Be blessed.